Welcome to American Football in Finland, where a few of us Americans in Finland discuss the football being played here every week. You can follow us on Facebook at American Football in Finland, or check out the latest show on perfectpurpose.com slash AFF. And now you can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just go to the podcast section and look for American Football in Finland. I'm Perfect Purpose, and I'm here with my co-host Jabari Harris. Hey, what's good, everybody? And our special guest host this week, head coach of the Helsinki Roosters, Q Floyd. Hey, moi moi. <laughs> First of all, I don't know if you haven't been keeping up with Finland. Um, the Maple League had a league-wide bye week last week for the midsummer holiday. Uh, and before we even get into anything, I wanted to talk to you guys about your midsummer. How was your midsummer, Jabari? Uh, it went well, man. Had a, a great time just uh, being away from everything, uh, getting out of work and just being able to enjoy the family time and kick it with the boys a little bit. So, man, I think it went well. We had some pretty decent weather and uh, I think everybody is slow to getting back to work this week. I know I am. What about you, Q? How was yours? Uh, my midsummer was okay. I spent most of it a little bit uh, under the weather, um, but I did get to have a little fun and some nice barbecue, a little sauna. So uh, it was it was pretty nice overall. I enjoyed my midsummer more than what what you would expect. I got to start it off, of course, doing the live videos with Jabari, and uh, we even talked to you at one point, Q, and a couple of different players in the league. So the week was pretty awesome. And then barbecued like everybody else. I attended a wedding on the Saturday of midsummer. That was pretty awesome. And then I got to go and do a little bit of drinking with my Finnish grandma, and that was pretty cool. We popped champagne on Sunday, you know? So enjoying it out here, man. I don't know about y'all, but I'm loving it. It's just a good time. Love these holidays. Yeah. Uh, so getting back to the Maple League, just thought I'd talk to y'all a little bit about that. Um, since they have the bye week and stuff, today we're going to talk about the playoff race, where we think teams are going to finish the season and how we see them going forward from this midpoint. And then we'll also talk about the different MVP candidates in the Maple League. And we'll finish it, of course, with this week's game to watch since the Maple League will be returning to action on Thursday. Okay? So, first thing we'll talk about is playoff predictions. Uh, instead of us doing like we did at the beginning of the season and each one of us ranking the teams, we've already discussed how we want to rank the entire league. and We've come to a consensus, so... We're just going to give you one ranking. So we'll start from the bottom and then work our way up. Uh, the team that we think will come in seventh place, which is last this season, it actually coincides with how we started the season, most of us. We still think it's the Turku Trojans. Now, there's a lot of things to be said about why that, but I'll let you go first, Jabari, and let us know why you think that's where they'll land. Well, uh, I like to start by saying uh, that the uh, I feel that the Turku Trojans are going to finish last for the simple fact of they are just not in position uh, on the offensive or defensive side with their depth and experience to uh, be able to compete for a playoff spot this year. Um, we've seen the last game versus the Saints. Even though they are playing better, they're still not producing enough on the defensive or offensive side to win games. Um, I don't think they have enough big players on either side of the ball to get them over the hump. And I think that teams only are getting better 
like the San Diego Crocodiles after this break. Uh, most teams are adding more depth. They're adding more players to help them. And I don't think that the Turku Trojans have enough firepower to make a push for any other place besides last right now. Yeah, I think it's more of a – not we think they're a, the worst team like in the world or something like that, but when you compare them to every other team, you can't put them on top of anybody. Uh, they have some some really good players, and they brought in new players. They're adding depth, but everybody else is adding depth too. So, like, at this point, I don't think that they're going to be able to make a big enough turnaround to really beat anybody consistently. I still think they might pull off a win against one of the lower-ranked teams, maybe even upset a top team. But in the grand scheme of things, you can't see them doing anything but being the, the basement seller team and being relegated back to Division One. Uh, Coach Floyd, you got any views on Turku Trojans? Uh, well, I just think Turku's, uh, you know, they start out some games with some high intensity. Um, but when you're not finishing drives and putting points up on the board, it kind of it kind of is a damper for the rest of the team. And I think that's kind of what they're going through is is defense is coming out trying to play real hard. Um, they're making plays, but not not enough big plays. And um, with any team, if, if your defense is playing good, but your offense isn't putting points up, um, you find yourselves in games where you know the other teams start getting it going, and you you just can't seem to get over the hump. And um, I think that's Probably been Turku problem. Anytime you change the imports um, in the middle of the season, you kind of in, in not I won't say desperation mode, but you kind of in panic mode because you want to win some games, and uh, the games are passing by. So I think Turku, Turku may be able to you know give us some surprises. Um, it's just all up to those guys and, and you know and, and making those big plays. Well, the team that we got in sixth place coming ahead of Turku, but still at the bottom of the league is the Tampa the Saints. Uh, I'll lead it off about the Saints. I think the Saints have a lot of potential on their team, but I, I don't think they really recognize their actual identity yet. Uh, in the last game they played, you saw that offensively they used their quarterback as a runner, which is what he is, and then they also relied on Tiny Juice and both of the uh, lame, lame boys making plays for Murray receivers. So they, they have star power, but mm-hmm. in all honesty, so far this season, they haven't really shown that they're willing to stick to what they're good at all the time. And I think down the road, that's going to be an issue for them when they get in games where you get behind and you can't run. When they played against Turku, they were ahead so they could do what they want. When they play against some of these high-powered offenses in the Maple League, their defense is still Swiss cheese. I don't care what anybody say. Defense can't stop a cold. So uh, the only offense they stopped with Turku, and they still gave up 400 yards. But if they play anybody else, other teams going to know how to score on them. When they get behind, they they get into that, okay, well, now we got to pass. And in all honesty, passing is not their go-to. They need a team to respect their run so they can pass. And if you get ahead of this team, it's over. And in my opinion, that quarterback isn't going to throw you back into the game. Even though he has receivers and playmakers around him, that's just not his style. He's a runner. So they need to stay ahead in these games early so that they can compete. I'm just not sure they can do that against all the talent in the Maple League. What about you, Q? What do you think about the Saints? Uh, I 
think they're, you know, a young, hungry team. Uh, they just had some unfortunate uh, things that happened to them as far as in games. Um, they played a lot of a lot of the top, you know, good teams first mm-hmm. at the beginning of the season, so they didn't get a chance to really gel and, and work together. They kind of just came in, and next thing you know, people were putting points up on them, and they were just trying to figure out something. Um, but I, I, they want to have won a game. So, uh, you know, I, I think they, they do have some progress over there, and uh, hope I, I'll be happy to see what happens the rest of the seasons for them. What about you, Jabari? Um, I kind of agree with both of you. Um, I still think that they're not going to be a team that's uh, strong enough to make a push for the playoffs. I think that um, I probably think that the only team right now in the league that they will beat is the Turku Trojans. Um, I'm still surprised of <laughs> the the quarterback situation. I mean, I mean, like we all know, I mean, he's a running guy. He's not much of a passer. And I think that um, if they continue to figure that out, like if they allow him to do what he does best, which is run, I think they they will progress in that system and those young guys will get better. But I still don't think that they're going to get past the sixth seed in the league this year. Yeah. All right. So moving on, the team that we think is going to come in fifth place, we picked the Senayoki Crocodiles. Jabari, I'll let you lead with this one. (laughs) Uh yeah, I mean uh Sanioki, I think they were probably one of the more more surprising teams of the league this year. I mean, coming off the last two seasons of being one of the the top two teams in the league, um I think that this was like we all know we've been talking about it all summer. They've been uh rebuilding, but they have made more moves during the break as far as bringing in more help. I think that they're really going to try to make a push for that fourth spot uh because they're they're knocking on the door. But I think that if a team like Port Ruavasa can, you know, just manage to just get another win over them, it's going to keep them at fifth. So um, they're going to be a team that's in the hunt. And that's what I want to say about them. Uh, We didn't expect them to be as bad as they've been this first half of the year. I mean, it's been a long time since they've been in this position. But I think that because of – I think that just because of them – you know, rebuilding and restructuring the team. I don't think that bringing in any more players is really going to help the overall core of the team. And that's why I think that they're going to probably stay at fifth place, but don't be surprised if they make a jump and take the fourth seed. I think uh, the crocodiles are probably, they're going to benefit the most from this 12 game season in the Maple League. They're one of the few teams that's in a position that, You've seen in games that they've been able to hang with the top teams early on or they'll come out just firing away and then they kind of dwindle towards the end of the game and you want to say, well, they just don't have enough depth. They're stretching their star players too thin. They've had a lot of injuries from the beginning of the season. I think in the first game, their running back was injured and basically fighting injuries for the rest of the season. Uh, DJ Washington, who could be a two-way player for them, he had injuries holding him back. So they've played the first half of the season with not even an entire roster. Now they're going to bring in someone probably to help on that running back position. And that's going to help them. If they bring in anyone on offense, it's going to help them relieve pressure from some of their players who are playing offense and defense. Their running back right now, he's a defensive guy. He's a linebacker. But he's been playing, uh, what is his name, Yaska Varanen? He's been playing mm-hmm. lights out at running back for them, but he's also the starting linebacker. So that's going to wear on you. So they're going to try to add depth, but they they still haven't found exactly how they're going to balance between these players playing both ways 
and been able to compete for four quarters. What they have over the other two teams that we've mentioned is that they've competed in almost every game they've played. Like, you've seen that they have the potential. They've just got to figure out a way to get it. And I think it's more about, for them, it's going to be more about their coaches and their import players figuring out a way to steal some of these wins against a team like Porvo Butchers, Wasser Royals, or even the Huskies if they can. I think that they can steal some of those wins. And even though we have them at fifth, like you said, this could be the fourth place team if they figure it out. I don't know if they will, but right now they look more like a fifth place instead of fourth place. What about you, Coach Q? Um, I, I think they could somehow uh, manage to make a push for that fourth place spot. Um, like you said, if, if these guys get healthy and, uh, you know, the imports are the linebacker. I know he's playing pretty good, uh, making a lot of plays for him. But, you know, they bring imports over here to be great and not average. Yeah. And uh, if you're getting average play from your imports, um, your team is only going to go so far and only, only be able to do certain, so many things. Um, but I think right now, they're, like you said, they're trying to find a way to somehow get it going. Um, but the import play just definitely has to step up if they want to have a chance of making the playoffs. And uh, their best shot is, you know, Porvo uh, making their import changes and, and maybe not clicking. And then the Crocs can still a few wins. So, um, like I said, I, I'd be happy to see what happens with them, too, towards the end of the season. So, speaking of Porvo, we have in fourth place for this season, we have the Porvo Butchers being the fourth seed in the playoffs. And I'll start off with the Butchers. In all honesty, take away those injuries to that running back and that quarterback, and they're easily the number three team. Like, no doubt about it. But now we have to see. They're bringing in new imports. What's going to happen? How are they going to respond? They've proven that they have a very strong finished core of players who can play with the best in the league, hands down. They can compete in this league, but now we have to find out or will they get similar production from their imports? If they get similar production from the imports they bring in, then they're probably going to be a lock at number three instead of number four if they can just plug them and it just keeps going. But if there's a transition period, if there's a few weeks, if it takes three or four weeks for those imports to gel with this team, then they could lose a couple games and that's going to knock them to fourth place. Or maybe those imports come in and they – do a 360 and try to change the entire scheme. I don't know what they're going to do, but I still think that just with the finish talent they have right now, they can limp into fourth place. But if those imports come in and help them, this could be a team that could actually make it to the Maple Bowl. Who knows? But right now I have them ranked at fourth, and I think that that's a good spot for them because it gives them a little leeway right now. Um, They might lose a couple of games that they shouldn't have lost because of the transition. That's how I feel about it. What about you, uh, Coach Floyd? Uh, I think I think Porvo is one of the stronger teams. Um, besides their running back and quarterback getting hurt, like you said, it'll be it'll be nice to see what happens when the new imports come in to see if they can keep that momentum going. Um, I think the running back and the quarterback that that's leaving, I think they're real strong together. So uh, it'll be it'll be nice to see if the tools that's coming in will will be the same way give that same push um but if not i don't see them being you know i think they could still be in that third fourth place um possibly third if if they come in stronger so um let's see you know second half is coming let's see yeah and you jabari 
Um, I agree with both of you. I mean, like I said, they had a great start to the season going 3-0. Uh, they finally got a chance to go up against some uh, the top three opponents in which they failed, but they played uh, pretty good games. Uh, I think it all just comes down to how they replaced their key players, Jordan Moore and Darian Hall. I mean, obviously those were the staples of that offense. Uh, beyond that, the defense has been playing pretty decent. Um, they've been able to be one of the top four defenses in the league. So I think that if they can just continue to uh, – if they could continue to build, uh, obviously if they get the imports that they need to come in and just win the games that they need to win, and that's what it is for them. I mean, obviously they need to beat the Saints. They need to beat – the Crocodiles in May, if Turku, depends on how Turku does. I mean, really, honestly and truly, if they win the games that they need to win, they can stay at their fourth spot and they'll be fine. So I think that they'll have enough firepower to at least do that if they get the quarterback and running back situation under control. All right. So now we're going to the top three teams, which pretty much is the, the same teams that we said before the season – but in a slightly different order. Uh, for the third place team, we got the Wasser Royals coming in third. And I'll lead it off about the Wasser Royals. Uh, they're getting third place basically by default because they don't need to change too much. I, I hope that they still do find some way to add depth because they've shown in the season that when they're missing a few players, it totally changes what they look like. When they lost uh, their linebacker on defense and when they lost a receiver on offense, it changed both of those sides of the ball for them in their gameplay, and it was a big deal. So for them, they really have to focus on staying healthy the second half of the season and being able to provide depth at some of these positions if there are small injuries that make a player miss a game or two or something like that. Because right now, they're just proving that even though this team is talented, as a team, as a whole, they they have their weaknesses. And so far, a lot of teams have found out ways to exploit those weaknesses. But you can't put anything past them coming in third place because they are one of the most talented teams in the league. And like we just said about the Butchers, the Butchers have a lot of question marks now. You don't know how it's going to happen in the second half. The Royals, you kind of understand what they're going to be good at. And you can respect that, even though I said before the season that they were my favorites to win the league. And I'm going to keep saying what I've said earlier. If they don't play better, I will be calling them out every week on this show because they should be a better team. I don't mind that we have them ranked third, but they do need to play more consistent to do anything more than just be the third place team. Right now, they look they're third place at the end of the season. But it doesn't look like they're the best, one of the best teams in the playoffs. They're the third seed that if they play a fourth seed that's hot, they would lose. Or if they play a two seed, you don't think they're going to win. So I know it kind of sounds like I'm saying a lot of bad things about them, but we do expect them to play better in the second half. Jabari, what do you got about them? I absolutely agree with you. Like I said, I think that the third place. Uh, simply because of how the other teams have played, not because that they've done anything to just solidify themselves as third. Um, we still want to see if that offense is going to pick it up and if that defense is going to be able to play big in big-time games. Uh, right now, they're 3-2, and two, and I think that they can't even 
this is a team that shouldn't even be satisfied being at third. Um, I think that on paper and just by experiencing how they did last year, this is a team that could easily on paper or should be in contention with the top two spots. And the fact that they're not there right now should really fire them up to want to step their game up to be there. Um, obviously, they have a lot of weapons. I mean, right now, Justin's not playing his best football. I mean, he has nine interceptions, nine passing TDs, and he's one of the bottom three QBs in the league. So what we're going to have to see from this team in order for them to get going, Justin's going to have to play better, and they're going to have to do a better job getting RJ involved. I mean, right now, he's leading the league in yards, but two total receiving touchdowns, that's unheard from RJ. I mean, uh, all his three or four seasons in the league, he's been a guy that at this point easily has six to 10 receiving TDs. So we're going to see if this offense is going to progress and allow him to play as the big time player that he's playing. The good upside for them is they have a decent young defense and they have more players that are coming back. Um, Chris Young is still playing a great, uh, a great, he's playing great on defense right now. I think he's leading the league in tackles with 42. So, I mean, they're a solid third-place team, but still, the situation that they've put themselves in, they can either go forward or they can drop to the fourth or even out. And that's like we talked about last week. Between the third and the fourth and the sixth <laughs> seats in the, in the league, it's only a two-game difference. So, if they continue to play in this funk, it's easily to see a team like Vasa drop to fourth or even out of the playoffs. So, let's just see what they do. What about you, Coach Floyd? Um, I, I think everybody's kind of surprised to uh, see Vasa where they are right now. I mean, as far as the imports and and the hopes that uh, a lot of people had for them before the season um, started. Um, I think more than anything, uh, you know, Justin in that offense, we haven't seen him be the Justin of old that we're used to. And uh, I think that's a problem. Um, but like you said, it, you know, teams are starting to load the box. They're starting to keep, uh, you know, two people over RJ. So it's kind of making things hard for the Royals to do anything on offense right now. Um, I think they are a strong team. It can be a better team. Um, they just have to get it going and be, and be able to to uh, keep the momentum and finish drives. I will say the number one thing for Vasa right now is turnovers. Um, I mean, I, I'm not sure how many interceptions Justice has right now, um, but I know that plays a part. Uh, when you play in certain teams, is controlling the turnover margin, and that's something they haven't really, really been doing. Um, they they cannot uh, lose any any crucial games right now um, for them for their you know playoff run. So I think now they have to play the best football they possibly can play um, these these games coming up. So uh, Vasa, we'll see. You know they could easily be second place if you know they get it going, or, or even first if they make really make a run. You know, and I'm speaking from a from a football standpoint, not the head coach of the Roosters standpoint, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what Vasa does. You know what? I'm I'm gonna add a little segment here because I know as you both talked about Justin Sardelaire as kind of the, the issue for them. Uh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask you both a question, just an open ended question, and I'll tell you my thoughts on it, of course. But with the Justin Sardelaire situation, is it more of a well? He's this type of player, and now the system he is in, he's not playing well in? Or is it more of a, well, he's this type of player, and now we see him for who he really is? Because previously, he had so many good weapons around him that you didn't really need to have him do a lot, and he was successful. 
this offense is a different system. This is more of a pro-style offense. A lot of his throws aren't going to where people are wide the fuck open. Excuse my language. Uh, a lot of his throws actually aren't even going to people who are open. He's throwing into a lot of double and triple coverage when he's trying to force the ball to R.J. Long at times. And sometimes when they're in the red zone, he's the reason they're turning the ball over. They get to the red zone and they get eight, nine people in the box. There's nowhere behind the end zone. He forces the ball, turnovers happen, and that's what they're missing a lot of times is they're driving the ball sometimes and then turnovers, like you said. So my my main question for you two guys, and I'll let Jabari, you can answer it first, is is Justin Sautelaire the problem or is the problem that Justin Sautelaire is in a system that he's not comfortable with? I'm going to say it's a combination of both. <laughs> and the reason I say that is, um, okay, for one, uh, going back to Justin's whole European career playing, uh, even before Finland, he's been a, in a spread type of offense that has allowed him to basically do what he does based off the run game. And what I mean by that is he's been in the system last two years in Stanioki where they've had uh, import running backs that have been able to, you know, do a lot of work on the ground, little speed backs that he's been able to feature even with those good receivers that he's had mm-hmm. out of the backfield or on screens or just doing a good job of keeping the defense honest. Now he's in the offense where it's not like that. I mean, he has a pro-style offense that where he really has to read the field. He really has to be efficient with his arm. He can't just sling the ball all across the field. And I think that it's kind of showing that that's who he is. I mean, even going back to some of the big games last year, let's not forget in the Laker Bowl last year when um, they had a a 7-0 trail with the Roosters in the uh, final and they got down 10-0 in the final and it came down to Justin having to make a push to get the team, you know, back in the game and he threw an interception. Uh, Justin has always struggled in the Maple League in the red zone. And that's because of the type of player he is. What people have to understand is Justin is an all-out gunslinger. Mm. He's one of those type of Brett Favre-type quarterbacks where he's going to take risks, and he's comfortable taking risks. But in the past, he's been able to do that for the simple fact of he's had receivers that when he takes those risks, they'll come down with the ball. Now he's in a situation where, yeah, he may have Spencer, but Spencer is not a replica of R.J. Long four times. In San Yoki, his first year, he had the pleasure of having a 6'7 tight end in here in Henry. He had uh, Spencer Cutlin. He had Timothy Thomas. They had an import running back. And I think that now that he's in Boston, where he's actually around more young talent, plus RJ and Spencer, that we're starting to see a bit of the true Justin. Now, I'm not going to take anything away from him. Let's not ignore that even though he's thrown 40 touchdowns in a Maple League before, he still had 16 interceptions in the season. So the interceptions are not anything new. It's just that now that he's not putting up the numbers on the other side of the stats, people are starting to say, okay, his style of play is not good. 
And I think that that's a combination of the system and the combination of just who he is. Because in this system that Booker's running is very sophisticated. It's pro style. It seems a bit of West Coast. I don't think that it fits Justin. Because like I said, Justin's always been in a system where you know where the openings are going to be. You know where certain players are going to be. Just put the ball there. What we're seeing now when they come out with two back and a tight end and it's just two receivers on the field at three, you have to be right for the simple fact that numbers are never on your side anymore. You're not seeing a lot of empty anymore. Mm-hmm. You're not seeing a lot of trips. Hell, now they're not even doing a lot of doubles until they're trying to come out of a hole. So now Justin has to be correct every time, and we're seeing that he's not able to do that on a consistent basis. That's not me being biased. That's going based off of what we see on film, and the stat sheet doesn't lie. I mean, in years before, Justin was easily a quarterback completing 67% of his passes. I'm looking at the stats now. Justin's nowhere near close to 60% of a completion rate. With nine interceptions. Hell, he has just as many interceptions as Tampa Bay Saints quarterback does. So what does that say? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Q? What do you what do you feel about it? <laughs> uh to just, you know, tag along with what you guys have been saying. I think if you decide to to get an import like Justin, um, like Jabari said, he's a gunslinger. And you have to take the good with the bad. Um I think this first part of the season we've just been seeing a lot of the bad. Mm-hmm. Um he is capable, I think, of putting up a lot of points and and uh, offensively being being unstoppable at points. Um, but I do not think he's comfortable in the offense that they're running right now. Um, I think if you do sign him, you have to let a guy like that run his offense, run what he's comfortable running, and uh, and let him be successful at that. Um, when you come out in two back sets, um, you take away from having an extra receiver, which is what he's used to, and I think he kind of limit you know what he can do. And you limit his options. Like I said, everybody's pretty much bracketing RJ. So that only leaves him pretty much one receiver, uh, you know, Spence or or the other number 19 guy. And that and he's sometimes. So uh, I think I think he he just, you know, has to has to make better plays, better decisions, and uh try to control those turnovers. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna say one last thing about it, because I mean, I think this is gonna be something we're gonna watch all season is uh, the Royals situation. Uh, the coach comes in with a pretty sophisticated offensive scheme that I think it fits their personnel because they, they don't have a lot of players. So you don't you don't have the opportunity to have four receiver sets very often. Because if you do, you have people like Stacey Thomas coming over to play receiver because they don't have that many receivers in the first place. So the two-back set, tight end sets, they're using linebackers to be fullbacks and tight ends, and that works for them. But at some point, they're going to have to realize that doing what works for your personnel might not be what's best for you to compete in this league. Like Right now, it seems like they're doing what, what they want to do, which is great, but it might not be what they're best at. This team might be better if they open it up and let Justin Sotelaire, you know, do some more things out of four receiver sets. Now, will they do that in the second half? Who knows? It might be something they incorporate into the offense. Now that they have a better understanding of this offense, there might be some variations that Booker has in it that we haven't seen yet. And I really hope that there are and that it works out for them. But right now, that's the, the biggest issue I see with the Royals is Sotelaire and the system. 
which one is going to be best for them to actually compete for a Maple Bowl this year. But moving on, uh, the number two team that we have this season, for, to finish number two this season, we have the Hamelina Huskies. And I'll let Jabari lead this one off. Um, I don't think it's a surprise that the Huskies are doing well. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you know, we placed them to be in the top three anyway. So I think that they've lived up to their expectation. I think that Stan has done a good job with the uh, culture of this team. And what I mean by that is, you know, he he's done a good job of bringing in the right pieces to kind of get the idea of being a top team and to being able to compete in the Maple League and to getting those guys to believe they can do it. I mean, right now I think they're four and one. Uh, they've had one loss against the best team in the league. So I think that uh, they're doing a good job. I mean, besides the Roosters, they've done a good job of capitalizing and beating everybody else. So I think that they have a great shot to, you know, continue to push to be a solid second-place team where, like I said, if they push harder to try to sneak into the first-place spot. I think they have a very dangerous offense. What Stan is doing has been working. Um, their defense is playing. I think they have one of the top two or three defenses in the league. And they're, we have to remember that they're a first-year team. So, yes, we can have high expectations for them, but understand that they're still a first-year team and they have to continue to grow in the Maple League. Other than that, I think that the Huskies deserve to be in the second spot and they're doing a good job, and I'm excited to see what they do in the second half of the season. What, what are your thoughts on it, Q? Uh, I think Stan has, has done a good job of, you know, putting out his knowledge uh, to his team. Uh, the main thing is, is making those guys believe they can win. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the first-year season thing, I think you'll go through first-year season uh, problems, which I think they might have came into against us. Um, they actually have a lot of players that can make plays. I mean, they have a dangerous offense. Like they, they have athletes all over the field. Um, so you do have to play great against them. Um, they they are, they are you know, deservingly of the number two spot right now, um, record-wise. I think uh, they won't lose too many games. Um, going on this second stretch of the season. Um, so there'll be a team that you – I don't think most teams would want to play them the first round of the playoffs. Um, so I think they've been doing a good job. I mean, first year or not, they've won the games they needed to win. Um, obviously, they'll get better. And like I say, you know, Stan has those guys believing and they and they really are playing hard and trying. So um, I think they're pretty good, you know, staying in that number two spot. I think a, a good thing about the Huskies being at number two is they deserve it and they've proven it. They did more than what we expected early, putting up 50 and 60 points in games against the lower teams to let people know that, hey, we're a Maple League team, not a team that's from Division One. So they, they proved that they belong. And they had that one bad game in the rain, but, I mean, it was wet. They're a high-tempo air raid offense. A lot of things happened. That one game, they had a lot of drops in the rain. So what can you do about that? And then the only other game that they actually lost, which was another game that wasn't to the potential that you want them to play, they played against the best team in the Maple League. The difference between the Huskies and the Roosters right now is that championship mentality. Uh, when they played against the Roosters, they moved the ball well against the Roosters. The Roosters did not play that well offensively against them which shows that their defense is actually capable of being a championship defense. But what hurt them the most was that when the big plays needed to be made, 
they didn't make them. And that has a lot to do with the experience they have in the Maple League. They have players who played in the Maple League, and they have players who haven't played in the Maple League, all sharing the field. The Roosters are a Maple League team. They have players who played in the Maple League, and that was the biggest difference when they ran up against them. So for the Huskies, they they have nothing else to prove now except for how far can you go. Like You've proven that you're a Maple League team, so now can you prove that you're the best team in the Maple League? And I still feel like they have a long way to go to catch up to the Roosters because of what I, I just said previously is that Maple League experience. You can't make up the experience of winning championships during the season. That Roosters team has won championships. And that's the difference in those games is you'll see that when the Huskies get into certain situations, if it's easy, they're fine. Because it's a high-tempo offense. Uh, the defense is smothering. They're very high energy as well. But when they get into those situations where you have to put up or shut up, we don't know what they're going to do because they haven't been in those situations. So that's the only thing keeping them from being the best team in the league right now is arising to those occasions and making those big plays. And yeah, I just wanted to add one little quick thing that you said, like um, about having uh, the Maple League experience. Uh, and also, it's, like you said, they have guys that have played. The guys that haven't played in the Maple League. But one thing that I also want to point out is that they have they don't have enough guys that have played in the Maple League together as one team. Uh, this is still a team that has a lot of new pieces compared to the Roosters having guys that have been a part of that dynasty together mm-hmm. for a few years. Um, I think that they do have a lot of new pieces on the team. I mean, you got Oko coming in. You have a few linebackers. You have a DB. But overall, the core of that offense and defense has played together, which means that they've had years to gel. And even in those years, some of those guys have been a part of all five of those championships. So, like I said, it's not even just always about how many guys that they have that had a Maple League experience. As a team, have they been through adversity together? As a team, have they had comeback from behind victories together? As a team, have they had success together? And like you said, that's the biggest difference between both of them because the Roosters not only have the Maple League experience, but they have a core of guys that have done it together. And I think that's what's going to continue to allow them to be successful down the road. Well, pretty much just segueing into the top team, Helsinki Roosters. Keep on talking, Jabari. I think that, you know, this team is uh this team has silenced a lot of people. What I mean about that is at the beginning, you know, we had them as a top three team, but nobody wanted to put them at number one. Uh, you know, we um and I guess that's because, you know, people hate to see them at number one. But you have to only admire what they do. I mean, um, you can say whatever you want about this team. You can say, Oh, they do this, oh, they cheat, this and that. This team works hard and they've been able to prove that with how they've played as a team. Uh, they have the best defense in the league by far. I think that this defense has stepped it up even more than where they were last year. And this offense has made a dramatic change from being a run-heavy offense to a passing offense. Um, I think that they have a lot of talent on the team, and they are undefeated because of that. Um, they play more games, as we've said, but that even shows more why they're the best team because they have players that are competing in two different leagues. They've been able to remain healthy. They've been able to remain focused. They've been able to remain disciplined. And because of that, 
I think they're six and oh, seven oh in the Maple League right now. And I don't think that right now anybody is trying to touch them. Now you can say I'm being biased, you can say I'm bandwagon, da 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 da. The proof is in the pudding. You look on the stat sheets, they got the number one offense. You look on the defensive side, they got the number one defense. You look at their personnel, they have MVP candidates all over the field right now. And that's why they're the number one team. But let's not forget the veteranship of this team. That defense, um, you may have two or three new pieces on that defense. But beyond that, over 85 90% of the guys that are on that defense won the Maple Bowl last year, as well as this offense. Even with the offense, the offensive line, we talked about how young they were, how raw they may be. They're doing enough to get Brandon Connect time to get that ball out to those receivers. So my thing is, what can you say about them that they shouldn't be the number one team in the league? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this now. I am on the bandwagon. I don't care what nobody say, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, first, uh, shout out to Yarmo Lati because those guys are doing a lot with the Rooster organization in general. What are what are y'all, 23-0 and 0 as an organization, Coach? Yeah, yeah, yeah somewhere I mean, around there. Shit, if that ain't proven to put it, I don't know what it is. They ain't just winning in the Maple League. It's a cultural thing. That's what the Roosters do. They win. Now, I'm going to be honest. Before the season, I didn't have them ranked number one. And not based because I thought, oh, well, I don't know what they're going to do or I just don't want them number one. But because, in all honesty, I was going off of the team that they were last year. And I felt like they might be a little bit better, but – I wasn't sure. In my opinion, this team would beat last year's team by 40 points. And not because of the wide open spread offense that a lot of people have been like loving, which I enjoy too. It is actually fun to watch the games that the Roosters play this year, which is comparison last year. I didn't care for a lot of their games. That defense is crazy good. I'm sorry, but if you watch this defense play, that defense, especially the red zone defense, they have a, a type of swagger to them that you haven't seen before in the Maple League. That defense, they're going to hit you in the mouth. If you got a spread offense and you think you can find holes, they'll let you find the holes early. Get your way down to the field if you, if you can. If you can't, that's your fault. But if you get down there, this defense is not letting you score. I don't know what their red zone percentage is, but I know that – the Huskies were one for five in the red zone against them, and the Royals were, I think, two for six in the red zone against them. That's four for, like, 14 or something like that. If you get in the red zone against a team, you're not scoring. And if you look at the game, they've been blowing people out with shutouts, or they've been letting them have one touchdown late in the game. And even if these teams are scoring, it's against maybe their backups. They don't give you the chance to feel like you deserve to be on the field with them. And – one thing that I really like about this Roosters team this season is that they're not just the best. They're being dominant. And I use that word dominant to explain that they will not let you feel like you deserve to be on the field with them. Look at the scores of these games. Yeah, they're putting up points, but they're stopping people from scoring. I don't. Has anybody scored over 20 points against them this year? I don't think so, man. I think that uh, the uh, Butchers may have... I think they put had up the most points against that team. And um, this is the crazy thing about this this uh, offense, all right? So you're looking at the stats. This offense has 2,427 yards of total offense. 
the next team even closest, the Porvo Butchers, with 1,816 yards of offense. The Roosters' offense is averaging 405 yards per game. Now let's look at the other side. The defense is only giving up 221 yards per game. 221 yards per game. That means that the most, we're going to give you 150 yards passing, and if you're good enough, you may get 100 yards rushing. You may. But this team is lights out on both sides of the ball. The fact that on offense, the next closest team to them is almost still six, seven hundred yards away from even being close, that lets you know how dangerous they are. That lets you know how well the offense is playing. That lets you know how well and how efficient that they've become. So I have to agree with you with saying that I think that this team this year would beat the team from last year by 30-some points for the simple fact that even in the big games, even when it's third and long, this is the thing. We said that the Huskies could beat them. We said that Porvo would give them a run. We said that Vasa should have been the number one team in the league. They've completely went out and beat the hell out of all three of those teams. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So my thing with that being said is I think that the doubt that the league has put on the Roosters – is the result of this chip that they have on their shoulder. And that's one thing that I think that makes them better this year than last year. I don't think last year there were a lot of teams besides the Crocodiles that we even said could compete with them. Uh, There weren't a lot of teams that we felt that could go toe-to-toe with them. The fact that even this year teams like the Huskies have started the season beating people by 70, and we automatically said, all right, yep, they're ready for the Roosters. I think that that sparked the new edge in that entire team, especially on the defensive side, that has allowed them to grow more and to play the way that they're playing. I mean, like, this team had Curtis Slater last year. This team had Santu last year. So these are guys that were a part of the defense last year. And even looking at the defense this year compared to last year, this defense is giving up way more less points <laughs> this year than last year. I remember a few times last year, this team gave up about 30 to San Yoki in the regular season. And the fact that nobody's able to get over 17, 18 points this year says a lot. They're clearly the number one team in the league. Um, I could quit bragging now. I could quit the stats. Regardless of what I say or anybody says, this team is 7-0. They're the champions of, I guess, Central Eastern Europe. Northern. Right now. Northern. Northern. That's NFL. all that needs to be said. <laughs> NFL. I'm going to let Q take a little bit to Brad, but last thing I wanted to say is that here at AFF, we, we like to take a little bit of credit for that, that mentality that the Roosters had because, you know, <laughs> we didn't put y'all at number one. And uh, we've been hearing the talk all year about who's number one now and stuff. And uh, we really appreciate y'all responding this way because it's been great for the league and it's been great to see the team just stay dominant and stay good. Like, there hasn't been any dip from the Roosters, and that's just really awesome to see and kind of hope they keep it up. Uh, We're going to keep doing it. I'm going I'm to I'm piss y'all off some more. Y'all lose the next game. <laughs> so, hey, so, get 80 put up on them. <laughs> So, Q, uh, we'll just give you a little bit of time to say what you want to about how – I guess you don't, probably don't want to brag, but just give us some thoughts on how y'all have been so successful this year. Um, well, I'll say it's three reasons why we, we might have somewhat of a chip on our shoulder, and that's uh, Jabari Harris, Robert Johnson, and Perfect Purvis. Damn! Uh, <laughs> uh, 
you know, we, like yeah. I say, we don't we didn't really try to pay too much uh, attention to the to the preseason uh, predictions. But um, I think for the guys that was kind of a slap in the face, you know, what I mean, of, of not having them finish first because they're used to finishing first. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as what we've been doing this this year, I have to give all my credit to my assistant coaches, um, Kari T, Miko, um, Jules, uh, Itero, Victor. You know, those guys are, are, are pushing the guys during practice. I mean, yes, I'm the head of the team, but uh, I don't think we would be anywhere near as good as we are if it weren't for the assistant coaches. I mean, these guys put the game plans together. They they really put in the time, and, and then they reflected on the players. And my job is, is to basically keep us focused, you know, week after week and keep us motivated and, and, and let the guys know, like, hey, you know, we are winning games, but we also are making mistakes that we need to fix. Um the way I am, the way I was as a player, I always wanted to be dominant. You know, I, I always tell the guys before games, like these certain teams, um, I don't think deserve to be on the same field as us. And that's just the way I am as a player. And um, I try to reflect that on the guys and let them know, like, be dominant. You know, don't I don't like close games. Uh, although for fans, it's pretty good. For people watching, it's pretty good. But I like to beat people. And I like to beat people bad, and and and, mm-hmm. and that's just part of being a competitor. And I would expect the same thing if, if a team was playing us. That's what they're trying to do to us. They're trying to beat the Roosters. So every week we have to come out with our A game. You know, we we, we have this kind of uh, mentality of like, okay, you know, we, we, we did this, we did that. We always like to say we like to score 50 points a game. That's really our goal is to score 50 points a game. It doesn't matter if we're playing the Patriots or we're playing the Saints. Uh I think my team is just, you know, they they believe in themselves. It's not really on an arrogant side or a, a super confident side. It's just when you work hard, you expect, you know, good results. And um, I think we've just been a do, doing a good job of that. I will say um, to to the other part of the staff, the, the trainers, you know, that they keep those guys in shape. You know, they, they we do a lot of body recovery stuff. Um, staying healthy means more than anything. You know, we haven't took any major losses. Um, on offense or defense. So I think that helps us stay consistent um, with playmaking. Uh, like you guys said, we've played nine games this year, um, six in the Maple League and three, you know, outside of it. So so that's a lot to, and still not have any major injuries. So going into the second part of the season, uh, we're just trying to get better and better every week. You know, we got the Raws as, as our next game, so that's what we're focused on right now. We know they're going to come out. They made some additions. We know they're going to come out and try to win. And, and we just have to step it up. I mean, I, I really do push the guys every day at practice, and, and I feel like that's what you're supposed to do. Um, we we have one one goal in mind, and that's to win each game. And I, and, and it's, 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 this is how it goes. Um, but I will say, for, for I'll say it again. You know, if I'm going to brag on anything, I'm going to brag on my assistant coaches because those guys are geniuses, man. Like, for real. This is my first season as a head coach, and uh, – but I would be, I would not be anything if it wasn't for those assistant coaches, because those guys are making it happen, man. Offensively, defensively, they put in the work, they put in the time, and and, and the Roosters are successful, um, partly by those guys. You know, uh, as a whole, you know, Yarmo, he, it's it's a it's a aurora around the organization, a team that everybody works hard. Sometimes I look down and, and look at the women's practice, and they're practicing harder than us. <laughs> so you know it's, it's it's just a mentality that I think the Rooster organization has and it just shows on the field and uh, the second half of the season will be pretty interesting I hope everybody uh, you know still will be tuned in 
Um, but it's going to be exciting, I believe. Definitely for us, a lot a lot of people are going to be throwing a lot of stuff at us, and we just have to be ready for it. But I feel like we, we're getting better every week, and uh, the Roosters are, you know, we coming to play. All right. I, I just like that it's exciting, even though y'all basically won every game. It's just It's still exciting to watch that team play. And that's just a great credit to the culture there with the Roosters. And y'all are doing great stuff. We're going to move on now. We, we're long-winded today, but that's all right. It's midsummer break anyway, so no games. The next section we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about the MVP candidates so far. And what we're going to do is uh, I'll name the candidates, and then we'll just each kind of give them some uh, some awesome details about why they could win the MVP, Okay. First player, I'll start it off, Darian Hall. Okay, now this is kind of a pseudo win, a pseudo candidate here because obviously Hall is injured for the season and will not be finishing in the Maple League. But we've played half a season, and in all honesty, if that if we were to stop the Maple League right now, he would be my MVP because what Darian Hall did for the Butchers is he gave them life. Before that season, there was a lot of talk that, okay, they don't have any um, European imports. Their American imports better be damn good. Well, in all honesty, he was damn good. Darren Hall was averaging almost 200 yards a game rushing and also was doing punt return duties and averaging almost 30 yards of punt return, which together he's basically flipping the field every time he touches the ball. And he was putting that offense in a position to control games. And a lot of people talk about the quarterback that they had, but the quarterback only played well when Hall played well. Hall was that offense, and he made that team thrive because he controlled it on both offense and using ball control to help the defense stay fresh. So for me, Hall definitely would be the MVP of the season right now. Uh, what would you say about it, Jabari? Um, yeah, I have to agree, man. I think that uh, for a team like, you know, to step into uh, a program like uh, Porvo, where the year before they didn't even have a great year, I think they may have won the most two or three games last year. And the fact that these guys were able to get them to start the season 3-0, and uh, like you said, even versus good quality teams like the Helsinki Roosters, this guy was able to execute and uh, run the ball well. Um, he left here through his six games, the number one running back in the league by far. Uh, he finished with 656 yards in those five games, seven touchdowns, even a receiving touchdown. And this guy was a monster, you know. Uh, he and he was a good leader on and off the field. You know, I never heard anything bad about him. And when you, when you talk about the most valuable player, I think that he was the most valuable player to his team because I don't think without Darian Hall, I don't think that poor would be in the mix any more than any of the other teams that are in the bottom two or three right now. So a lot of credit to him. And I mean, I hope that you have a good recovery and that you're able to come back someday and play to the level that you were playing on, man. You did a great job this year. Keep your head up. But, yeah, if I had to pick an MVP candidate, he'd probably be my MVP. What about you, Q? What do you think? Uh, well, I think, he, you know, he was having a great season. He definitely was a hard runner, um, and he doesn't really get tired. I mean, even in the game they played us, you know, he was running real hard, and uh, was, he was trying to earn his, you know, earn his keep. 
Um, I think what he did the first few games were, were exactly what a person of his caliber is supposed to do. You know, run for 200 yards. Uh, a lot of people don't want to tackle the guy that runs that hard most of the time. And uh, it's, it sucks to see him um, have a, you know, season in the uh, injury because um, it would have been exciting to see him the rest of the season. Um, I do think he would have gave a lot of teams problems going down the stretch. Um, but like you say, he was a punt returner, um, kick returner. Guy, the guy had it all. So I definitely can see him being, you know, possibly being in that MVP race. Next name I'm going to throw out, MVP candidate. This is probably an easy one for a lot of people. A quarterback from the Helsinki Roosters, Brandon Connett. Jabari, I'll let you talk about him first. Brandon, shout out to you. You are my homie. But <laughs> uh, like uh, like you said, it's a no-brainer. I mean, this guy came in and uh, he completely flipped out. He helped flip the identity of what this offense is doing. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's completing 63% of his passes, uh, has a 21 TD to 3 interception ratio, and even has another five touchdowns rushing. Um, he's been what you call a dual a true dual do-it-all quarterback. I mean, there's been times where it's third and long, this guy's taking off running, he's uh, throwing back shoulder fades to his receivers, and he's completely allowed receivers like Bernard to have a totally different season this year. I mean, right now, Bernard is the number one receiver in the league when it comes to production. Has eight receiving TDs, a little bit well over 400 yards, and I have to give credit to Brandon for that. Um, and another reason is his team's undefeated. I mean, they haven't lost a game in 2017 in neither leagues. And I think it's because he's doing what a quarterback should do. He's being a field general on the field. He's making slim to none mistakes. And his team's undefeated right now. So I think that's why Brandon is definitely in the race for being one of the top candidates for the MVP award this year. Yep. For me, it's an easy one. I mean, the dude has a ridiculous amount of stats. But even outside the stats – when you watch him play, you know that he's running that team. You know that he's making the right plays at the right times. Like you said, he has five rushing touchdowns. A lot of people think of him more of a just a thrower. Uh, from my view, what I've seen on film so far, and don't take this the wrong way, Coach Q, the, <laughs> the Roosters' offensive line is not what it was last year or even in previous years. Offensive line has some holes in it, and you'll notice that Connett, he deals with the pressure so well. He moves. He moves the pocket if he needs to. He looks downfield, but he also knows at times that, hey, I'm an athletic young man, and he uses his legs. He doesn't take unnecessary hits. He's not doing designed quarterback runs, but he can run the ball as well as throw it which gives it a dynamic that defensive teams can't plan for that when they see him. And a lot of people are underestimating how athletic he is. He makes a lot of throws on the run. He moves in the pocket. He uses his legs. He's an overall, like you said, he's a do-it-all quarterback. He's a quarterback that can do whatever you want him to do. A lot of their offense, you see a lot of play action going on. He can do a play action and then throw the ball deep. Or they run a lot of bubbles at times. Whatever they need to do to win, he can do it. And that's what really makes him the MVP is because you can run your offense through him. If you want Bernard Luster to get touches, you can do that with Brandon. You can have Bernard going deep and Brandon going to put the ball on him. And one thing I don't know if a lot of people notice, but damn, 
him that back shoulder throw. Brandon <laughs> Connett will do that back shoulder throw on you all day long. You can ask Timmy Thomas. You can ask Bernard Luster. You can ask uh, Alexander Wasilov. He will throw that back shoulder throw. He will get his receivers open and get them the ball. And this guy is just doing things that so far this year, no one else is on his level when it comes to overall production and creating for the offense from that position. Coach Floyd, any great thoughts to say about your quarterback? Uh, I mean, I could brag on Brandon uh, pretty much all day. Uh, but I will tell you all this. I think the most important game um, that Brandon probably played in for us was the cause that game. Mm. Um, obviously, people are used to us putting up a lot of points. And, uh, you know, during that whole game, you know, Brandon never got down. He never got – you know, I think some players get frustrated a little bit in the shows on the field, but you won't see that with him. Um, we came out in that second half, and I told him, like, hey, just do your thing, man. Just do your thing. It's going to come. And he literally – did his thing. He literally took over, moved us down the field, and then when it came down to the game with the touchdown, he made it happen, and he made it happen running. Um, as far as the Maple League, uh, Brandon is a perfectionist. You know, like like even in practice, he's intense in practice. The guy doesn't throw that many bad balls. I'm gonna be honest, he doesn't throw that many bad balls. Uh, the last person I seen to, to 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 somewhat throw like that was Robert Johnson. You know, and, and I like watching Brandon in practice is one thing, but just seeing him take it to another level in the game. And like you say, he's a general. Um, and I think that's partially the guy. He went to Duke. And for all the people that don't know what Duke is known for, uh, school-wise, they don't just let anybody in Duke. Yep. Um, so he's a smart guy, you know, off the field too. Um, but I think on the field, it makes it a little easier for him. Um, he reads defense as well. Uh, he's a coach playing quarterback, you know, like he can, he, he knows defenses. He know what people want to do. He's been at the highest level as far as D one football in the States. The guy's a machine. Um, you know, he does, he does make mistakes. He's not, you know, perfect, but I will say he's done enough to, to, to make our offense run the way that it needs to run. Um, the, he, he's unbelievable, man. I'm, I'm speaking from a fan point of view, um, just watching him, you know, on the field, the way he moves in the pocket, the way he gets rid of the ball, uh, you know, he moves the ball around the different receivers. Um, you never know where he's going, you know, like he, he he's that, that dangerous. He can run on you. He can throw on you. And I think it's hard for a lot of teams to kind of uh, game plan for that um, because he will hurt you with his arm. At the same time, he will scamper for 10 or 15 yards and get a first down and keep a drive going. Um, but him and Miko have been doing a great job. Um, um, Jules with the receivers. Uh, the receivers all believe that he's, you know, he's capable of getting the job done. So our receivers are, you know, they're competitive. You know, they they want the ball. I always try to tell them when they get the ball, try to go score every time. And uh, having Tim and having Bernard, you know, as a, as the veteran guys on the core, it makes the younger guys have more confidence. They get a lot more balls. So that's that's good for them. They're getting the experience they need. And uh, you know, I gotta say, hats off to Brandon. Uh, I hope you know he'll continue to play. And um, it made plays for us this year, and we'll have a great second half of the season. All right, the next candidate I got, wide receiver slash safety slash cornerback slash punt returner slash kick returner for the Homelina <laughs> Huskies, Roman Runner. Uh, I'll lead it off about Roman. You heard all the slashes I said. Um, 
Uh, slash running back, if you want to count his shovel pass for a touchdown as a run, which it was. The guy is everything. And not is not only is he everything, he's the best at everything. Like, this dude isn't a guy who, oh, well, he plays this, but he can help you at that. No. He can be your best receiver and also be your best defensive player um, against the Roosters. I know statistically he didn't have the best game at wide receiver, but look at what he did guarding Bernard Luster while still playing receiver the whole game and getting 60 yards on five catches. <coughs> not many people can do that. And not, not many people to the point of not many people in general can do it and almost no one can do it at the level he does. This guy can easily be an all-star in the Maple League at four different positions on both offense, defense, and special teams. You can't name anyone else that can do that. He can impact the game. There's been games with the Huskies where you look at what's going on, it's third and long, it's fourth and long, or fourth and short, and they're in the red zone, they need to make a play. You know who's going to make that play? Roman Runner. You're going to see plays. They A lot of people talk about, oh, well, the Huskies have so many great players and they have so many playmakers on both sides of the ball. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Look at who the playmakers are. Their best defensive weapon is the fact that they have Roman Runner who can play safety and see the whole field and make plays from there. Or he can lock down one corner, one receiver by himself and play cornerback. That versatility is something that sets him apart from everyone else in the league. And he's traditionally a wide receiver. And he makes big plays at wide receiver. He goes gets the ball. He breaks tackles. He got great, what is it, yak or rack now that they're calling it? Run after catch, yards after catch, whatever you want to call it. Yak, baby. Yeah, he's not just a, a one type of receiver. He can be a deep threat or he can he runs good enough routes to catch it short and then make a big play. He's a big play player at multiple positions in the Maple League, and that's almost unheard of from anyone being able to play both sides at such a high level. To me, that's what makes him the MVP this season is that he can do everything other guys can do at the same time. Not very many players can do what he does in the world, not just the Maple League, and he's doing it at the Maple League at the highest of levels. Uh, I'll let you go, Jabari. What do you guys say about him? Uh, when I think about Roman, um, he reminds me of back in 2015. He's having the type of season that R.J. Long had when he won the MVP. Uh, R.J. was the guy that finished the season with about 12 receiving TDs, over a thousand yard receiving, had another six, seven, eight, nine interceptions for six and was doing kick returns and punt returns. And I think that Roman has always been this type of caliber player, but being that Hamelina has now allowed him to just really show himself as an athlete. Um, like I, we, you're right, uh, people give a lot of credit to Hamelina for saying they have a lot of weapons, but Roman has done a lot of the work. He's helped stand out in many ways, and he's been a great leader off the field. Um, when I ask his teammates about him, they say this is a guy that has fun. He has, uh, doesn't 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 get in a lot of trouble, and he he he's a brother to the to the younger guys. Uh, he's a he's a veteran to the league. 
Uh, Roman's been playing in the league for four seasons now. And I think that he's finally just in a position where he's mastering his craft. And I think he's in better shape now. You know I mean? He's not tired. That's the crazy part. He's not tired of doing all this work. I mean, this is a guy that I've seen in some games has not come off the field for a break. In that Rooster game, he was hurt several, maybe two or three times where he was down. And he got back up, still tried to cover Bernard, still tried to run routes, still tried to return kicks. And I just think that this is a guy that just needs to get the credit he deserves. Uh, Roman, you're playing great, and you're a major reason for Hamelina's success. And I think that this is another reason, or the main reason, why he should be one of the top candidates for the MVP this year. What are your thoughts, Q? Uh, yeah, he, he would easily go in my top two um, for uh, MVP if I had to vote. Um, like like Jabari was saying, he does a lot for Hamelina. Um, even in our game, you know, he was fighting through some injuries, um, but he was still out there trying. You know, he was still playing. Um, I will say this. They did have a safety over the top of him on, on Bernard. Uh, but, hey, um, hey, hey. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but he's, no, he's, he's, he's actually a baller. You know, I, I, I gave him a few trash talking words on the sideline a few, a few times in the game. Um, but I like him. I talked to him after the game, you know, and let him know, like, I like him. You know, I like what he does. He goes hard for his team. Um, I will say that's that's good. You know, the, the mentality of that is good. Um, I think later on in the season, it, it can wear him down, though. And, and and that's not always good to, to be going both ways and doing everything. And then you get down to the end of the season and you burnt out. Um, but so far, he's been able to do it. Um, I'm, obviously, he's in great shape. He's dangerous. I know I told my kicker and, and punter, like, do not kick it to him at all. We can kick it to anybody else, but do not let him touch the ball. Um, because it's just, you know, I respect him. I, I know what he can do with the ball in his hand. And you have to control things like that um, when you're playing against him. Um, I think if you're watching so the, the earlier games, people were actually kicking him the ball in the middle of the field on kickoffs or, or punt returns with no, no, you know, decent coverage. And uh, he hurt him. And uh, that's something that you have to do when you're playing against guys like him, and that's and that's game plan for him to not hurt you um, in the big play way. Um, but he's definitely a baller, so uh, he, he would definitely go in my top two for MVP. Next guy, this is I think this is a little bit of an outlier for some people, but we're putting his name out there because he has proven to make a lot of big plays. Defensive back for the Helsinki Roosters, Curtis Slater. Now, I'll I'll lead with this one again because this is one of my favorite picks. Curtis Slater is the intangible guy. Okay? Statistically, he he does put up the numbers. He has a lot of tackles. He has a lot of pass breakups and interceptions. But outside of that, this dude makes plays. Um think of a I'm trying to compare him to a, a young Ed Reed if that makes any sense to you. This guy not only can cover the field sideline to sideline from safety, he's actually changed to playing cornerback this year, and he's tasked with basically guarding the best receivers. And he's only done that all season and has had every opportunity that they've thrown the ball his way, he's made a play on the ball. I've talked to him earlier, and and I've even asked him, like, why do they even throw the ball your way? But they do. And this dude, what he does is he makes you pay for everything you do towards him. Um, in the last game against the Huskies, he picked up a fumble, took it 74 yards. 
He could have easily picked up the fumble and covered it on the ground, laid down, went out of bounds or something. But no, this dude runs down the field, high fives his teammate before he gets to the end zone and changes the game, changes the way the game is going to be. And that's what he's been doing this season for the Roosters. He gives them that defensive swagger to when they get in the red zone and they need a play, they need somebody to do something, they need a voice, he's that guy. He comes up, he makes those plays. I think three of his interceptions have been in the red zone, if I'm not mistaken. But he's the guy that makes the plays that sets the tone for this team. And like I said, it's fun to watch this team. A lot of it has to do with Curtis Slater leading that defense as not only a defender of the pass, but also a, a guy who helps in the run game. And like I said in his last game, picks up fumbles and then scores off of them. Like he doesn't just make plays. He makes big plays all the time. And that's why he's an MVP candidate for us. What do you got, Jabari? I have to agree with you, man. Like they always say defense wins championships. And when you look at this defense and you look at a guy like Curtis Slater, that will allow you just seeing him back there. Like even if I was a quarterback in the league this year and I seen him on the field anywhere, He's basically taking and locking up one side of the field saying, hey, you can go anywhere else. You can try anywhere else. Don't come over here. And that's allowing everybody else to eat and to be productive is because people are respecting him wherever he is at corner and safety. Hell, he probably go to D line and rush off the edge with damn Oko if he needs to. But also this guy helps the offense get good field position by what he does in the punt return game. I mean, this guy has a highlight reel where he's spinning, jumping, juking, backflipping over people. And I just think that he's one of the guys in the league that's like runner that's just multi-talented. I mean, uh, and he's not a big guy. You don't look on film and see a 6'3 Taylor Mays looking safety. Like you said, you see a little Ed Reed type of guy back there that's moving sideline to sideline and doing it all day long, but he has the attitude. Uh, Curtis... Curtis is not a big, big trash talker, and that's what I like about him. He talks trash with the way he comes downhill and hits. This little dude is not afraid to come downhill and hit anyone. Big, small, skinny, tall. He's coming from 12, 12, 15, 10 yards, and he's making tackles at the at the at the at the play at the at the line of scrimmage. And that's what you call a nose for the ball type of defensive back. Like he's a ball hog. And I think that he deserves to be on this list. A lot of defensive guys don't get credit, but you have to give credit to a guy like Curtis. When you mention the Helsinki Roosters defense, you have to understand that he's one of the leading forces on that defense. And because of him, this defense is able to do whatever they want to do. I mean, this D-line is getting pressure. The linebackers are doing a good job filling the gaps. And Curtis is doing a bit of both of them. And, Curtis, I like what you're doing. Keep doing it. You definitely deserve to be on this list. Keep doing what you're doing in the second half of the season. What are you going to say about your defensive player, Coach? (coughs) Curtis, obviously, is is definitely a baller. Um, The bad part about it is uh, you you guys don't get to see him on offense. (laughs) What? Uh, he he actually could play receiver. I mean, he could probably be a great one too. Um, but he he's he's made a lot of explosive plays for us. He's big in our return game. Um, he, he's a, he's a coach himself. Um, I know I I'm, I help out with the DBs, but Curtis is the coach uh, for our young DBs that's working with him. You know, he's a passionate guy. He works a lot with our younger DBs. Um, Vilio is, is obviously showing 
a lot of uh, Curtis's coaching, you know, by the plays he's making now at such a young age. Um, but Curtis is a passionate player. He's a he's a ball. He's a playmaker. He understands that your team needs you to be great and, and needs you to be great all the time when you're in for it. And I, I think he thrives on that. And uh, he does take away um, a lot of, of stuff on other teams' offense when they have their best receiver. He can guard them uh, with no problem. You know, he jams. He plays off. He can do it all. And uh, he's been playing great for us this year. I would love to to, to see him get an MVP vote and cast and be up there for that. That'd be great um, because he's definitely deserving of it. He's always working out. He's always demanding, you know, the, the other guys on defense to make plays. And uh, so he's a, he's a great leader for our team. The next uh, candidate, this will be the last guy we talk about, linebacker from the Wassa Royals, Chris Young. Uh, I'll actually let you go first on this one, Jabari. Okay. I, I I like what Chris is doing. Uh, you know, he's last year's MVP candidate, and I think that he started the season with that same swagger, that same nose for the ball, and he's doing a good job of really just helping the struggling um, uh, struggling Boston team this year. I say struggling because, you know, they're 3-2, and two, and they aren't where they want to be, but that defense has had to take up a lot of the load with the lack of production on offense, and I think that he's – responded to the challenge and he's doing what he has to do i mean he's leading the league with uh 42.5 tackles he has a sack he has uh a few pass breakups in the passing game and i think that uh he's doing a good job being the voice of that defense um but also this guy hits hard too i mean i think that this is nothing to brag on but he's putting two or three guys out of the game for the season and i mean this guy's a guy that i definitely would say hey if you're going to run heads up with him, be cautious because he's out there playing with his back against the wall. I'm not breaking down to anybody and I want to hit. And I think that that was one of the things that made him the MVP last year was the way that he was just being the heart and soul of the Vasa defense. And I think that he's still doing that. Um, for him, you know, it's just continuing to do what you do, and that's what you want from a linebacker. We've seen a lot of linebackers that have come into this league that forget that being a linebacker means you have to hit. I think Coach Q knows better. Uh, back in your playing days, you were a linebacker that loved contact. You wanted the blitz. You wanted the run to come. You wanted receivers to run under routes across the middle because you were ready to hit and put somebody out of the game. And when I think about what Chris Young is doing, that's a little bit of that old school mentality linebacker that we need to come back into the game. I mean, obviously, the game has changed so much with all these rules and targeting and all these things you got to worry about. But, hell, what I've learned about defense is you're supposed to be tackling the legs anyway. And I think that that's exactly what Chris Young is doing. He's a he's a he's a sure tackler and he's trying to get to the ball. Uh, You see this guy chasing people down from 50 yards across the field, and that's what he's known for. He's known for being the guy that scrapes and scrapes hard. So I think that he's definitely deserving to be on this list again this year, and he's playing some good football on the defensive side. Yeah, uh, for me, Chris Young is – he is the Wausau Royals defense. And, I mean, no disrespect to anybody playing on that defense, but like you said, he's leading the league in tackles. 35 of those tackles are solos. 35 solo tackles means when this dude tackles somebody, he was the only one there, which means he's getting to the ball faster than anyone else on the field, and he plays middle linebacker. That He's sideline to sideline. This dude, 
he's getting to the ball no matter where it goes before anyone else, including the defensive line and outside linebackers, who usually the outside linebackers are the guys who don't have to take on blocks. So he's taking on blocks, avoiding blockers, and making the tackle before anyone else can go straight to the tackle. That's a skill set that you cannot undervalue. Chris Young has proven that he's the most valuable defensive player in the league, hands down, just by those solo tackles alone. You take away those 35 tackles, most likely those plays are not being made by his defensive counterparts. Again, I'm still not trying to disrespect anybody from the Royals' defense, but it's an obvious thing when you watch the game that almost every play he's there. He is the guy making the plays for that defense. And I know I keep saying defense, and you think, well, we're talking MVP. Look at the Royals team. Without that defense keeping the games close, we mentioned it earlier, that offense has a lot of turnovers. That offense has given other teams a lot of opportunities. Without a good defense, this team could easily be 1-4 and four instead of 3-2. and two. But that defense has been a staple for them all season. They've had their ups and downs, but what they've had consistent <coughs> is that Chris Young is going to make those plays that you need him to make, and that's going to keep you in the game. So that's why I definitely think he's an MVP candidate this year. And like you said, if he – if he continues this for the rest of the season, he can only make that team better. Uh, Coach Floyd, what do you got to think about Chris Young? Uh, I think Chris Young is a baller. Um, he's definitely an MVP candidate um, as well as he was last year. Uh, he makes a lot of plays, you know, in the box. Um, he can make plays in the passing. I think uh, their offense lack of uh, pr- uh, producing this year is kind of weighed down on their defense. Um, when your defense is on the field so much, it kind of weighs down on you. But I think he's been able to play through it and, and always trying to make a play. He's definitely a guy that you always have to be aware of and where he is on the field. Um, like I said before, he reminds me a lot of, of how I was when I was playing, you know, hard-nosed, always trying to smack, always trying to blitz, as Zubari said. Uh, he wants every play to be his. And I think to be a dominant defensive player in this league and a linebacker, that's how you have to be. Um, he, he controls the box. His presence alone um, is, is crucial in that in that in those trenches. So uh, he's definitely an MVP candidate. Um, I, I love watching him play. You know, I talk to him while, during the game, and he's always you know excited and hype, and uh, he's passionate about the game. And I think that's what you want to see out of a leader on your defense. Um, so he's definitely an MVP candidate too. That's all the MVP candidates. And if you were listening. We named Darian Hall as the midseason MVP, basically, because he won't be able to play for the rest of the season. But we also named uh, Helsinki Roosters quarterback Brandon Connett, wide receiver, defensive back, special teams player for the Hamelina Huskies, Roman Runner, defensive back and returner for the Helsinki Roosters, Curtis Slater. And the last guy that we threw out there was linebacker from the Wasser Royals, Chris Young. So that's all the MVP candidates that we have at AFF, and that's what we're looking at halfway during the season. Of course, in the season, things might change, but those are the guys we think about. Now that we've told you our MVP candidates, we let you know where we think people are going to land for the rest of the season. It's back to Maple League this week, guys. Starting on Thursday, the Tampa the Saints are going to go against the Wasser Royals, and then on Saturday, the Porvo Butchers will visit the Hamelina Huskies. 
And on Monday night, the Turku Trojans will travel to play against the Sinayoki Crocodiles. So with all three of them games, are going to look different. They're going to play different. But we're only going to pick one game to watch. So because of the new players added and also coming off of a loss for one team, and this game also has a lot to do with how the playoffs pitcher will look immediately after the Maple League, the game to watch is going to be Porvo Butchers at Homelina Huskies. So with that being the game to watch, we're each going to get one sentence to describe why this is the game to watch. We'll start with Jabari, then Q, and then I'll be the last one. Um, I think that this is the game to watch because it definitely allows you to see uh, where Porvo is going to be, if they're going to be able to stay in that third seed, or if the loss of Darian Hall and Jordan Moore will be enough for them to fall out of the the title race. Um, I, I think it'll be a game to see to see how uh, Hamelina rebounds after their first loss, and uh, to see you know what Porvo has um, now as far as imports. So I think it'll be a crucial uh, game for these two teams. How does Hamelina respond after that Roosters loss? So that's it for us this week on American Football in Finland. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook at American Football in Finland or check out the latest show on perfectpurpose.com forward slash AFF. And also you can now subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for American Football in Finland in the podcast section and you can catch up on our latest content, including like player and coaches interviews. Uh, We also have a few of those on there that we don't put on the actual podcast show. So until next week, I'm Perfect Purpose with my co-host, Jabari Harris. Hey, thanks for having me again. Look forward to doing it again next week. And special co-host this week, head coach of the Helsinki Roosters, Q Floyd. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, and we'll see you next week, guys.